Let's uh, pray in preparation for the messages this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me to be uh, faithful to the word this morning as I uh, as I um, sort of unpack what the text has to say and help me to be uh, um, to be accurate to your your spirit's calling to, to communicating the message that you have for us this morning. And I pray that you be with the folks who are here, touch their hearts and their minds, help them to to know you more through here in the Word today. Help them to uh, be bound together as the body of Christ. Um, help them to be uh, just strong in in, in uh, the Spirit as they hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I spent the week at uh, the Bitz's house. I uh, took the week off and I, uh, I, I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of relaxing and I, I was in a spot where my phone wouldn't work and I was too far away from the house to get the Wi-Fi. And so I was forced to not answer text messages. And so there are a few of you I owe apologies to. Um, but I, I, during that time, looking for things to do for entertainment, one of the things I came up with was I wanted to go out and, and, and shoot uh, coyotes, which I've been told is the worst way to say it. Right? Like you, everybody knows you're a, not a local when you say coyotes because they're coyotes, but I feel dumb saying that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it... I, I went out uh, three or four times, and I, I discovered um, nothing. I, I went out, and I sat, and I saw nothing, and I, I encountered nothing. I, I, in fact, actually, the closest I came to seeing uh, a coyote was, was I sat on a fence, and I put out a collar, and I, I sat there for about an hour, and nothing came, and I, I got kind of cold and bored, and I thought, well, I'll just go back to the house and read some, and as I was walking back, I was following my footsteps, and I found footprints that crossed my path that were not there earlier, and I discovered that one had approached me and, I guess, caught my smell and turned and gone the other way. Um, make, that a, make of that what you will. Um, but but um, it, it's the craziest thing. Like, in the daytime, the harder I looked, the less I found, right? I followed tracks I found, nothing. I sat in different places with a collar, nothing. I, I climbed hills, I hiked miles, everything, not a doggone thing. Um, then Larry said something to me I thought was interesting, and it has been rattling around in my head looking for, for somewhere to land. Um, he said that if you go out at night, because he was calving, he's been, they're calving, I guess it's a thing they do. Um, <laughs> if you go out calving, you have to carry a spotlight with you because it's dark. Um, and when you turn on the spotlight, if you just run it across the field, they're everywhere. It, apparently this is true. Does that sound right? Um, you can shine them up on the hillside, and you'll see eyes all over the hillside. You shine them out into the coolies, and they're all over the coolies. They're everywhere at night, which is crazy, but it makes sense, really. I mean, if you're a coyote, like, or a coyote if you want to not die, like being found in the daytime is the way to not, you know, to die. So, like, you stay in it during the day, and you go out at night, and that just makes sense. Um, but as I've been thinking about it, we're, we're talking about the church right now this, this last few weeks, and we're continuing to talk about the church. Um, the worst things that we encounter in life, we don't encounter in the light of God's grace, right? We don't encounter, um, we don't encounter loneliness when we're standing in the body of Christ, right? We don't have hidden sin when everybody is so close to us they can see it. I mean, like, that, that happens when everybody's far off. 
We don't, like, it's harder to get jealous when we're celebrating together. It's harder to get depressed when you're worshiping together. I mean, like, the further away you are from the body, the more in the dark you are, the quicker you find these things, right? Those eyes start popping up in the darkness. Um, this week we're going to be talking about the objectives of the church, what the church exists to accomplish. And, and as we kind of dig into this, I want to, I want to, like, I'm going to come back to this idea over and over again. Um, Standing in the body of Christ, standing amongst believers, gives us this enormous blessing that, that the light is on us all the time, right? Um, and, and, like, it's, it's not light that comes from each other. It's light that comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from Jesus. Like, and, and the objectives of the church, like, as we look at them, um, it becomes clear this is all about living in the light, living next to each other. And that can be terrifying, like, our culture is all about putting the best foot forward and nothing else. Am I right? I mean, like, scroll down Facebook once and pick out how many people are taking their, like, selfie photo. I, I know some people that selfie a lot. Um, <laughs> like, how many people are taking their selfie photo about two minutes before they got out of bed, you know, with their hair wild and <laughs> teeth crusty and everything else? Like, I mean, they're not doing that. They're putting their best foot foot forward, right? Nobody posts, you know, like, like the depressing stuff in their life. We, you know, vacation pictures and, you know, life's a party. Like we, we like the idea of people seeing the best of us. Um, and in fact, actually there's like three people that I know that can come over to our house and it's a mess and everybody else, like we, you know, if I see you coming down the driveway, miracles happen. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, because like, like there's image out there, right? And it's embarrassing and it's hard to let people know that things aren't perfect. Um, and so as we dive into it, like we're going we're gonna to be looking at this. Um, the series so far, we started out talking about the purpose of the church, by the way. Um, like the grand purpose, why the church exists is to glorify God. That's, that's no one way or the other about it. We exist for that reason. It's not to make you happy. It's not to help you make business contacts. It's not so you know which guys are the pagans because they're, at, you know, sleeping in this morning or anything like that. The church exists to glorify God. Um, the second thing we talked about last week was the first half of the passage we're working through here. Um, and I have the text printed wrong in my slides. I just realized, but that's okay. Um, the, 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 last week we looked at the, uh, the first days of the church. This is right in the book of Acts, right after Peter... Um, or right after Jesus left to go to heaven, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and Peter preaches this sermon that's about a half a page long, so it's much shorter than my average sermon. Um, and he converts 3,000 people, or the Holy Spirit leads 3,000 people to believe in Christ, and they baptize him, and he tells them, hey, this is how you can be a member of the church, right? Like you become a member by believing in Jesus, um, like as, as the source of our salvation, as our Savior, by being baptized and then um, by receiving the Holy Spirit. And so these are the basic elements of membership. And we're going to pick up right there um, in Acts chapter 2. It says, oh, real quick, what we're about to read is sort of the age of innocence of the church. This is like when everything was easy. Got it? Like when everything was, was simple, when people weren't fighting quite the way they were, like before things kind of changed. And so this is like the age of innocence of the church. This is the ideal. Um, a lot of times when we talk about like the ideal state of humans, we'll go back and we'll look at um, Adam and Eve, right, before the fall, because it's before things got complicated. 
Um, this is sort of the age of innocence of the church, and there is, it's like before things get complicated. Um, so, it is not John chapter 2, it is the book of Acts. I have no idea what prompted me to write John. Actually, I do, it's because I've been preaching out of John for the last, what, year? Two years? I don't know. Um, and I don't need that because I actually had the right text. Uh, so, 42. So, all of these people get baptized. All these people like have committed themselves to belong to the church. And John or Acts, which is written by Luke, is broken up into two parts. Um, like this, this section here is broken up into two parts. There's a brief summary and a more in-depth explanation. 42 is the brief summary. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Um, Four things, and actually, if we if we stop right here, we could probably like hit the highlights. Okay, the four things that the church exists to do. If you are showing up, like this is what we are here to do, right? We are to devote ourselves to the to the teachings, right? Like our our job is to know about Jesus. Our job is to grow spiritually. Mind you, this is not just book knowledge, because there is this crazy reality that, like, you can read a great deal of theology, and you can study the scriptures, and you can, like, like know the books backward and forward, and not know Jesus. It's, I mean, it's this hard truth, right? Like, it is possible, in fact, it's even possible to work your whole life serving Jesus and not know him. Um, knowing Jesus, like, is a product of devoting yourself to the teaching, which means, like, not only studying it, not only listening to it, but ingesting it and applying it. It's, it's becoming a new person as a result of that teaching. But they, so the early church, they start with this. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And by the way, this is fantastic because these guys just spent, like, three years hanging out with Jesus, right? I mean, they know their stuff. And... And we know from, I believe it's in Luke, um, Jesus, one of his appearances, he appears to a couple of these apostles and he says, hey, here's the Old Testament explanation for what happened. And he gives them like this great seminar as they're hiking from one city to another. And like, so these guys, as they're teaching on the road to Emmaus, right, like as, as they're teaching, they're like handing off this information too. Like this is the early church um, getting educated, Right. And it, it was probably fantastic. Um, but it was all in, in a different language than I speak. So, um, And to the fellowship. Now, fellowship means spending time together. Everybody with me? Right? Um, there's a, a church where we, where we lived in Granger, uh, Granger Community Church. It's a church of about, I don't know, probably 6,000 people by now, 7,000 people. I know folks who go there for one reason, because nobody knows who they are. Like, I can show up there, nobody talks to me, nobody acknowledges me, I don't have to shake anyone's hand, I don't have to explain how my life is going, I can show up, I can listen to the sermon, I can listen to the songs, I can go home, and I am done for the week. But it's actually kind of contrary to what we're supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed to be a part of each other's lives. Why? Well, when we're a part of each other's lives, um, first off, we support each other, right? We lift each other up. We see each other. It is so hard to do stupid things in the dark when people see you. Isn't it true? Um, in the early days of, of being married to my wife, when I was a much worse husband, we had a couple that was very close with us, and they, they routinely criticized me for being like overly harsh with my wife. 
Like, well, you know, you just, you, you need to be nicer. And, like, amazingly, the more time they spent with us, the harder it was to hide the fact that I'm not a very nice person. Like, it, but that's the way it's designed, right? We spend time together. We see each other. We help each other grow the whole nine yards. Like, we are there for each other. Beyond that, it's hard to be, like, like hurting or in need when folks, like, are standing around because we know. Um, this is one of the hardest things for me. I'll tell you in this summary, this is one of the hardest things for me. I hate telling people that I am struggling. Anybody else? Is it just me? I hate letting people know that my life is not perfect. Like, I hate it. I hate letting people know that I'm tired. I hate letting people know I'm depressed. I hate letting people know I'm frustrated. I hate all of that. I want you all to see me as perfect. And I've done a good job so far, right? <laughs> Amen. No? <laughs> um, but the reality is that that fellowship, like it feeds that. And the breaking of bread, by the way, is number three, right, which would be the Lord's Supper. Um, it's also probably a sideways reference to eating together, but they like did the Lord's Supper together. They remembered Jesus. They prayed together. They reflected on his sacrifice to them. They were all about Jesus, which is sort of the point, right? There are lots of great social clubs out there that have nothing to do with Jesus. Like there are lots of great groups that gather up and hang out together, like, but they're not the church. Like breaking bread is important because we, we spend time like remembering Christ. Um, the Lord's Supper is important because we, we reflect on what makes us a part of each other. Um, we lose sight of that. We lose sight of everything. And to prayer, meaning they prayed together, which is hard, right? How many of y'all pray with other folks, like, regularly? I mean, we don't. You say, well, hey, is there anything I can pray for for you? We don't really do that, right? Like, but that's a hard thing. But this is what these guys were about. They were about praying for each other and together. And all of this, this is who they were. This is what the early church was. Um, so now moving away from the brief summary, which took me 10 minutes. That's not a good sign. Um, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. He's actually going to expand on this in chapter 3. Peter's going to perform a miracle, but we know that these guys and the folks around the church are watching, and the apostles are performing miracles, right? Um, we are not that blessed. I don't perform miracles, right? I don't. I, I, I don't think it's God's will for me to do that at this point. If it was, it probably would happen. Um, but, like, these guys were witnessing these these apostles doing things, and they were amazed. And the outside of the church, they were amazed. Like, this is a part of what was going on. They were seeing the Holy Spirit move. Now, we may not see miracles like that, but I'll tell you, I've been here almost five years. Did you all know that? It'll be five years in, like, a month. This is actually five years since my first interview. I, I had a photo pop up on Facebook of... Abby wrapped up in 12 different blankets standing in a field full of, or in a corral full of uh, cow leavens. Um, like <laughs> one of my fondest early memories of Montana was, because was, it, anyway. Um, in the five years I've been here, I, I have not seen food multiplied. I've not seen lame people healed, but I have seen some miracles. I got to see Yancey, right? Definitely a miracle. But I've also gotten to see people's lives changed. I've gotten to see people come out of like the worst of circumstances stronger than they were before. That's a miracle, right? It's not a flashy miracle, but man, I'd rather have that miracle. Honestly, I would rather see somebody's heart draw close to Christ and somebody made new in Christ like than anything else. Um, and so we see miracles. We see different miracles now, which is good. 
44 to 45. This is actually my next to last verse slide. So we'll see if I can get through this in under two hours. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And we're going to hit pause here, and here's why. This is one of those verses that has been hard to understand since forever. Okay? They were all together. They were unified in purpose, meaning like they, they had... Let me see if I can explain this. There's two ancient depictions of what utopia would look like, what a perfect culture or a perfect society would look like. For the Greeks, they had this, like Pythagoras wrote up this whole set of essays about how everybody would own everything together and we would all trade and share and everything else. And like there was this idea that this would be the way it was. Now, if you take the first half where they had all things in common, that sounds like that. Then you get to the second half and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Meaning like people still had property, but they didn't perceive it as a big deal to take care of each other, right? So your neighbor's about to lose his house or his kids are going to end up slaves. What do you do? Well, hey, let me sell something and take care of you, right? Like they perceived their purpose they perceived their unity like as primary, right? And so if folks needed to take care of each other, they took care of each other. If folks needed to like, like, um, if folks were struggling, they took care of each other. If financially, and actually I don't think this is probably ending with financially. Um, if you go into the ancient world, the ancient world was a horrible place, right? Like we're very, you know, people, we're a very like, um, sanitized culture, right? We don't see people die very often, right? We don't, you know, go to the bathroom in the yard. I mean, I saw I saw an outhouse this week while I was out looking for coyotes. There were no coyotes in the outhouse. Um, but, but like, the more sanitized we get, the further away we get from our own messes, right? I, I, it was the weirdest thing coming here because I have to take my own garbage to the dump. Um, it used to be I could leave it on the curb and someone would show up and take it for me. Um, if I threw it in the neighbor's yard. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's this sort of sanitized nature to our culture. I think when people in that setting were of the same mindset, by the way, the phrasing is, is um, sort of funny there. Like they, they belong to the same idea. They, they perceived the same direction, meaning like they were all about Christ in them, Right? Christ was their purpose for gathering. Christ was their purpose for taking care of each other. Christ was their purpose for everything. And so when they saw a brother or sister in need, they took care of them. When they saw a brother in need in distress, they prayed with them and they sat with them. When they saw a brother or sister celebrating, they probably celebrated together. When they saw a brother or sister in need financially or in need of food or what have you, they took care of that need. Like this, all things in common, the idea here is that they took care of each other. The Greek, by the way, this is kind of an interesting thing, um, selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all. Um, this is a, like the way it's phrased in Greek in the tense implies that it was something that happened over and over again. So it's not like I became a Christian, I'm going to sell everything I have today. It's, oh, you need help? Well, let me figure out what I have to do to help you. It was an ongoing process of taking care of each other like because it was an ongoing community of care. Like, people loved each other, and they took care of each other. That's outstanding, isn't it? Um, and actually, before I jump to the next verse here, ask yourself what it would be like, how big of a blessing it would be 
if you woke up tomorrow morning and you looked and you said, I am so overwhelmed, I'm not going to ha- know how to get all of this stuff done and how, how to pay all of these bills, and you knew there was 60 people, you could pick up the phone and just call them, and they would be there within a minute to help you take care of it. And it wouldn't be, well, I'll see if I can get to it. It would be, I love you and I'll do whatever I have to do to help you out. Wouldn't that be outstanding? Any of you all ever feel alone in that stuff? I mean, it happens, right? We live in a severely isolated culture where people live separate. Um, they move and they, they jump around and people don't take care of each other the way they used to. Um, I read a great article uh, two weeks ago about happiness. Um, and this guy was talking about the markers for happiness. Like if you want to be a happy person, how do you be a happy person? They had, they had all of these markers for it. And amongst other things, it was things like closeness in relationship. Like if you have close relationships, you will be happy. Actually, the crazy thing was they found that money actually had almost no bearing on it within a certain degree. Like if you're you know, dying of starvation, you're probably not very happy. Um, but you hit a certain point up to, like, infinity, there's no, like, correlation of money to happiness. It's relationships. It's closeness. It's people taking care of each other. It's people loving each other. It's the whole nine yards. Like, it is this stuff that generates happiness because it's got how God designed us. That's what God made us to be. Um, 46 and 47, last two verses. Um, day by day, continuing with one mind, with one mind, meaning one purpose, one intent, one focus. I actually had a note on this. Let me double-check my note to make sure I'm getting the idea. Um, one heart and mind is probably a better translation, and it literally refers to being together in Christ, meaning Christ died for us, Christ carried our sins, Christ rose again. Everybody recognizes that they're sinful. Everybody recognizes they're imperfect. Everybody recognizes that we need Jesus to be okay, that like none of us is perfect on our own, right? And so they stand together and say, you know what? This is fantastic. We will belong to each other. And so one mind in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. One of the best families I've seen for this, actually there are several great families for this. I, I see the Eries like can't find a Sunday where their house isn't full, right? And I swear they probably learned it from the Andersons where Jeremy spent most of his years growing up, right? Hanging out at their house and every Sunday the house is full and somebody's getting fed. Um, this is the idea here. I know there are other folks who do it. I'm not trying to exclude you. Um, usually we just meet at the mint and eat. I think that's how it works. Um, <laughs> but, but the idea here is, um, now watch this. They met at the temple to pray. The temple is not the church, okay? This is the early church. These are all Jewish converts. And what they would do is they would go for what's called the daily offices. They would go at certain times a day. You would go to the temple and you would pray. And they maintained that. So everybody would go to the temple and they would pray when it was time to pray, right? That's fantastic. They prayed together, and they prayed together publicly, and they probably prayed together publicly and witnessed to folks who didn't know Jesus. And I bet the strongest witnesses they offered came after that, the breaking of bread from house to house, meaning they got together and ate together, and they spent time enjoying each other's company. Um, Before moving to Big Sandy, I could probably count on my hands the number of people who ate at my house in the 14 years I lived in 
in Indiana. That's about right, right, honey? Um, just didn't have people over. Nobody had anybody over. That's just how our lives were. Um, but I don't think it's the way we're designed. We're designed to fellowship with each other. And by the way, this goes in a bunch of different directions. There's this crazy reality that, like, my wife and I, we do better when we're close to other couples. We're happier, right? Um, I read a great article on single people, which I think, you know, they get – actually, I read a book with huge chunks on single people. But in singleness, people oftentimes end up isolated. And in reality, like, what the scriptures provide is that we in community – worship together we are the body of christ together and folks who are single like we enjoy the family of christ like are y'all enjoy the family of christ it's the ideal like we worship together like because we're a part of each other um and neither is better um with gladness and sincerity of heart meaning they were happy to get together um which is almost a miracle in itself um praising god and having favor with all people meaning everybody loved them people saw this from the outside and they wanted it um, now watch this. Um, this is living in the light, right? This is living in a world where you are not off on your own in the darkness. This is living in a setting where when things hurt, there are people there to soothe the pain, right? When you're crying, there's somebody there to carry you out and comfort you, right? Ha, ha, ha. That was... <laughs> there, there. This is living in the light. And as long as you're in the light, like the worst things in life can't find you. They can't. They won't find you because we're there for each other. Because Christ is in us and amongst us and makes us strong together. And when we wander off and we sit in the dark, bad things find us, right? They do. When we sit in, in our hearts, make them dark, and we think about how so-and-so is such a horrible person, or how everybody loves everybody else except me, and I don't belong here, and... I mean, like all of these things that happen in the darkness, man, they're just little eyes peeking at us, right? Waiting for us to fall asleep so they can come along and munch on us or waiting for us to leave the calf alone long enough to come get it. Um, I assume that actually happens. Um, it, it's the truth. Um, the church is the light for us. And it's the light. Um, it's the light because of Christ. So like the characteristics, what made this happen? There was like a hunger for and an openness to Christ. If you try to do church without this, it will fall apart. Everybody with me? If church is about how clean the carpets are or how which songs we do or how nice everybody dresses or um, us not being Methodists or whatever else, like if these are the things that church is about, it'll fall apart every time, every single time. Because, because it's not built on something concrete. I read a story about a guy who used to build sandcastles when he was a kid, right? He'd go to the beach and he'd build sandcastles, loved building sandcastles. And he did this for ages and ages, and then a neighborhood bully discovered it. And so he would hang out on the beach and wait for the sandcastle to be done, and what would he do? Kick it over. And this boy did this for, for a while and got frustrated and angry, and then he came up with a solution. He discovered he could build bigger sandcastles if he put cinder blocks in them. <laughs> Guess what stopped? <laughs> um, Christ is a cinder block in all of it, right? Um, 
Christ is the centerpiece of all of it. So when we get together and we do a potluck, we're not doing a potluck because we're here to eat. We're doing a potluck because we're here to celebrate Jesus, right? We build a new bathroom, which, by the way, thank you, Norman. Ross and everybody else who was involved with that, y'all are awesome. That bathroom is there, not so the building can be nice and we can raise the resale value and everything else, but because we glorify Christ by providing for other folks, right? Like we build a bathroom because of Jesus, which sounds crazy, but it's the truth. It's the cinder block and all of it. And so when we start having problems, you can't kick that sand castle over because there's a big rock in the middle of it, and that big rock in the middle of it is Jesus. We desire to spend time together because of Christ. By the way, this does not mean if you're an introvert, I know there are some of you here, right, that you're immediately excluded because it's hard for you to be with other people. It doesn't. It means that that hunger for Christ gives us a common ground to stand on. And we don't need to be embarrassed or ashamed. We don't need to be uncomfortable. We can slowly become comfortable with each other because we have a hunger for Christ. We have a desire to find something better that God has given us. Um, And it ultimately results in an openness to Christ. These guys gathered together in their homes because they wanted Jesus. Um, They wanted out of the darkness. They wanted away from the the coyotes and the wolves and everything else that was hunting them down. Uh, It comes out of a recognition of the early community as a vehicle for encountering Christ. Now, understand this. We live in a world where people say, tell me if you've heard this, I don't have to go to church to be. Oh, so you have heard that one before, right? And there's truth in it. But you will never encounter Christ like the same way as you will in the, like a body of genuine believers, right? I, you will never know Christ as intimately as you will like sitting with brothers and sisters and like worshiping. Some of my, my best days since I've been here have been sitting at other people's kitchen tables and just talking about Jesus. Some of my best days since I've been here, like some of my best blessings have come in in the form of trays brought when my son was born. Or when my wife had surgery and was better, like, like in bed for, what, like a month? two months, um, and people brought stuff over or came to visit or, or washed my dishes for me or whatever. Like, you will encounter Christ in a whole other way through the church, in a way you can't encounter him any other way. Um, it's why we're designed to be in the church as believers. It's why we're designed to grow spiritually together. All of the actions that, they, that we see there grew out of a desire to know Christ. Ultimately, this is the foundation. I said it like a hunger and an openness, but this is a desire to know him better. Because you will never know Jesus better, um, honestly, than when you're serving another person. Right? When you learn how, how to love someone by doing things for them. Not out of obligation, not out of, you know, i got to do this thing but out of, I'm doing this because I'm being Jesus to you. Like, we get to stand in his place. How cool is that? Right? And it changes your heart. Like, serving folks changes your heart. You want to, like, like encounter Christ in a new way. Um, talk to Terry. Show up on a Saturday and hand out food with a food bank. Um, you want to encounter Christ in a new way. Uh, every once in a while, something will pop up, like painting somebody's house. You know, while, while a member of the family is in the hospital. That happened last year, right? Like, but you know Jesus different because you go out and do that kind of thing. Um, we know Jesus better together. Um, and a desire to know him drives all of this stuff. 
Um, ultimately, all right, so here are the five things I picked out. Worship. We worship together, right? I am not from a singing family. I, I sang over here today. How many people heard me? How many people wish they didn't hear me? <laughs> My wife moved down the pew. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was a flashback to days gone by. Like, but worshiping together, like, like when we do it, it fills us up in a whole other way, in a way that really nothing else can. We pray together. Um, this is an objective of the church. By the way, this isn't we worship so we can convert people. It's worship so we know Jesus, right? We pray so we can know Christ. We pray together so we can draw into his presence. We pray together so that we can build each other up. Instruction, which isn't just me. Actually, in the ideal church, oh, watch this. This one's hard. Um, In the ideal church, older, more mature members pair up with younger members and help them grow spiritually. It was the job they were given. And so if God gave you huge gifts and knowledge and wisdom and everything else, like your job was to go out of your way to spend time with people who didn't know what they were doing so you could help them grow up in their marriage and in their family and in their following of Jesus. Like it's called discipleship. That's big. But it's really hard to do that if you ha- you know, like without spending time with people. Fellowship means spending time together. Um, and evangelism, meaning meaning sharing Christ. And like if you look at the model we see here in the early church, they talked about Jesus, but a big chunk of what they were doing was taking care of each other, and the world saw it, and they're like, wow, those guys are awesome. <laughs> what have they got going on? Like they're in the temple every day together, praying together. They're gathering together to take care of each other. They're eating in each other's houses. They're loving each other. Like that is something. I want a part of that. Um, a chunk of evangelism rises out of that. I mean, we have to talk about Jesus, but like this is a part of it. Um, my challenge for you this week as you walk out of here is to look at these five things. I mean, you can go back to the passage. It's like five verses. It took me 45 minutes to talk about it, but um, there's a lot there. Five verses. Go through it and ask yourself, how am I doing? Do I live by myself? Not like physically by myself, but like am I isolated? Like do I have a hidden treasure of stuff that is my stuff? that nobody else gets to be a part of, right? My own weight to carry, my own cross to bear, my own, you know, wisdom to enjoy. Um, Are we sharing that stuff with each other? Because we become a deeper, more vibrant, better place when we share. We share our hurt, we share our love, we share our wisdom, we share our everything. Like, that is how we become the body of Christ. We put all this other stuff away and we take this on. When it's done right, it's the best thing in the world, isn't it? problem is that we let other things get in the way and the coyotes come in and they start attacking, right? That's why it's all going to be grounded in the cinder block, like in Christ for us. I'm going to pray and I'll, I'll let you all be five minutes early. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you be, be with us this morning. Help us to be the body of Christ together. Help us to pray for each other and help us to grow deep. Help us to mature together spiritually. Help us to... to become who we were meant to be, Lord. Um, I pray that you would uh, open us up so that we're open to each other, so we include each other in our lives, so we include each other in in who we were meant to be. Um, so we become the church in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to close with a blessing, and I will let you all go.
may you walk out of here this this morning and 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 into the world this week and like may you be a part of each other may you be bricks in this holy temple that is the church um may your lives be grounded in christ and may you point each other to who jesus is just in the way that you live talk act everything amen